0: From Washington, D.C., the swamp itself, this is the week's worst with Allen and Vadim.
1: I'm Dr. Stephen J. Allen, Vice President and Chief Investigative Officer of the Capital Research Center. And with a bit of a throat cold today,
2: I'm Matthew Vadum, Senior Vice President of Capital Research Center and Editor-in-Chief of our fairly new uh, blog, bombthrowers.com.
0: And I'm Jay Klein, media producer at the Capital Research Center, and I'll be moderating this podcast in which we dig through the news for stories that we think are the most outrageous, the most ridiculous, the worst. Um, so the focus of our show this week is going to be on uh, the Susan Rice scandal and the unmasking of uh, Trump transition officials. But before we go into there, uh, you know, the big news of the day is that President Trump authorized a. Military strike on Syrian military targets. This is the first time in uh, the Syrian civil war that we have done that. In the past, uh, you may recall there was the whole red line controversy where President Obama said um, if they used a chemical weapon, you know that would be reason for us to uh, do something militarily there. And uh, now it seems like uh, that has played out again, and this time uh, Trump has chosen to respond militarily. So this is still a developing story, um, but broadly, what do you guys think about this? Is it good or bad?
1: I think they're doing probably the right thing for at least the wrong stated reason. That is to say, uh, the, the president was very clear in the campaign that he had a more non-interventionist foreign policy than what we had seen in the past. He was very critical of both Republicans and Democrats for sticking our nose where it doesn't belong uh, and getting into wars that we didn't have any business being in. But uh, and, and, and Syria would be an example of that. At the same time, he was critical, properly so, of President Obama for drawing the red line, saying if they used chemical weapons, then we would do something. Boy, we're going to do something. He said it over and over again, uh, that uh, we were going to take action if they did that, because those are are weapons of mass destruction. That's a a category that uh, the use of which violates international law. Uh, And uh, so... Uh, President Obama kept saying that, never did anything. Uh, I referred to that as the uh, speak loudly and carry a small stick uh, strategy. Uh, total disaster because, of course, it, it makes you look weak. It make, it, you are weak uh, if you say you're going to do things and then don't do them. And so now we're up to this point where we have, once again, apparently, the use of chemical weapons by uh, the Syrian regime, uh, and, uh, and now you've got to do something about it.
2: Well, I'm fairly agnostic on this intervention <clears throat> excuse me into the Syrian Civil War, but I do have to uh, uh, hand to hand it to President Trump. He wasn't kidding when he said he likes to be unpredictable because this would have been a fairly difficult uh, uh, military strike to have predict to have predicted, especially as... Dr. Allen listed um, the many things that President Trump said during campaign season about criticizing our interventionist foreign policy, uh, President Obama and President Bush um, ordering tactical strikes without the permission, without a force authorization from Congress, and so on. So uh, President Trump is certainly throwing down a marker here, and and some good may come out of it, I suppose, uh, in that. Uh, future uh, uh, would-be antagonists of the United States, uh, might be a little bit more wary of President Trump because they don't know what he's going to do.
1: Yeah, and, and it, let me clarify what, or uh, answer my own question, which is uh, talking about doing the right thing for the for the wrong stated reason. Uh, you had Nikki Haley, the UN ambassador, talking about the horrible pictures of the children who were suffering from this chemical weapon attack. Uh, children were the children were mentioned by the president in his uh, remarks. Most of the people who support this, they keep talking about the children and how they've suffered, and and uh, obviously I don't downplay that. But you but can't. In, but
2: in wars, there are always suffering children,
1: right? And and you can't make wars be it be based on our involvement in wars be based on whether we have pictures or not because right now at this very moment many many children around the world are being treated in horrible ways even killed in war uh, enslaved into uh, being child soldiers even and and all these things happen they're terrible things we can't make that the basis for getting involved I would say this Uh, you have to enforce the norm against the use of weapons of mass destruction. Most people don't know what that means, but basically it's a term that evolved uh, right after World War II to describe Things like chemical warfare, biological warfare, nuclear weapons, and you must enforce that or you're going to have these things be used around the world in conflicts all over the place. They are horrific, and we've long had that as part of international law. You can't do it. That's why you have to do something when somebody does something And you're saying
2: that the the toxic gases used in Syria are in fact weapons of mass destruction, Uh, and I think they are prohibited under um, international conventions.
1: Right, in fact after immediately after uh, World War 1, when you had uh, many people Americans came back who had been disfigured in, uh, by uh, encounters with the uh, various uh, uh, chemical weapons and the world was horrified at what happened in World War 1 and uh, decided to to get together and and ban that class of weapons. So that included chemical, biological and then of course later nuclear weapons. Uh, those are in a different category from weapons like guns. Uh, And if we're going to have those classifications, we have to enforce them. And we've managed to somewhat control the spread of these weapons over my lifetime when they could have otherwise spread. I think John Kennedy thought by this point we'd have, you know, 50 countries with nuclear weapons, for example, but we had very strict controls on nuclear weapons. You've got to, if you're going to have that classification, you have to enforce it.
0: And just to update our listeners on where the news is on this right now, and uh, you know, I think this is still unconfirmed, but it's believed that the chemical used was sarin gas, which is, you know, one of the top levels of, of um, you know, deadly. Chemical nerve agent. A neurotoxin, that isn't
1: yeah. it? Yeah, it's a, a, a for those biochemists out there, it's an acetylcholinesterase inhibitor, uh, and what that means for uh, all of us regular people uh, is that uh, it basically prevents your nerve cells from uh, turning off, so you become paralyzed and you can't uh, you can't breathe because you you can't, you your, all your nerves are switched into the on position, and it's a really horrible way to die. So
0: okay let's get away from this topic and uh, it's so cheery I feel yeah. so so happy now what a, what a nice well buzz. you
1: know when I was studying for my PhD in, in biodefense I would come home uh, every day and talk about all the ways I'd learned to kill people in horrible ways for my studies and uh, and my 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 wife would come well she's now my ex-wife so you can kind of guess what you know she didn't like it very much when I would do that
0: yeah, I mean, I, this is such a concerning, scary thing that happened. It, th- these chemical weapons are just absolutely horrific, the effects that they cause on people. I just think, like, we have to be asking ourselves the question of, you know, you know, Syria is so far away from us. They don't have the technology to be able to do actual damage on U.S. soil. Uh, you know, they're a regionally limited power, um, you know, at, at, at what point does the United, is it, is it in the United States purview to get involved in a foreign conflict? And at what point do we risk the escalation of that conflict and our involvement in
1: it? And and particularly because uh, the Syrian regime is allied with the the Russians with the Iranians, uh, so uh, you know we we had the danger that an attack on uh, Syrian facilities would end up killing some Russians. So imagine, uh, you know, there there are lots of people right now in Washington who are pushing really hard for us to get into a war. With Russia, uh, which seems to me just absolutely insane, and I mean, you know, when when, when conservatives uh, over the years uh, or hardliners on foreign policy would say, you know, we really need to stand up to those Russians, those Soviets, uh, and 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 then the left would always go and you know, are you nuts? You're going to blow up the world. They did they did TV movies, they did theatrical movies, all about how those crazy right wingers would lead us into a war with Russia that would end up uh, killing millions and millions and millions of people. And now they're doing it, uh, and and so you've got to keep that uh, in mind. Basically, the Obama administration's policy, which was bull in a china shop, you go and you blow everything up, you ruin everything, you destroy all their international relationships that have kept the peace, and uh, and then you just sort of uh, kind of hope things get better. Uh, you know that the good people will come forward. Well, there was a chance to have perhaps. Some pro-Western people, some better people take over in Syria when the uh, revolt began against the Assad regime. But those people were wiped out. And you ended up with a choice of either Assad and all his terrible uh, uh, practices and his terrible alliances uh, on the one hand, and then ISIS on the other. And what do you do when that's the choice? You know, sometimes you have to make a choice like that. We had to pick Stalin over Hitler. We had to side with Stalin against Hitler. Um, so we need to, we need to be very careful what we do on this.
0: All right. Well, with that, let's jump into our main story, um, for today. So on March 21st, chairman of the house permanent select committee on intelligence, Devin Nunes received documents showing that communications of Trump transition officials had been incidentally collected during foreign surveillance by us spy agencies. Nunes in a press conference the following day did not indicate that the collection was unlawful, but did question the unmasking of the names of several Trump associates in the classified documents. Normally, the names of Americans intercepted when monitoring foreigners are masked or blacked out in classified documents. Earlier this week, journalist Eli Lake of Bloomberg reported that former National Security Advisor Susan Rice requested the unmasking, and she requested and received unmasked reports featuring Trump transition officials on multiple occasions. One U.S. official familiar with the reports said they contained valuable political information on the Trump transition, such as whom the Trump team was meeting, the views of Trump associates on foreign policy matters, and plans for the incoming administration. However, when Rice was asked a month ago about Nunes' reports that Trump transition officials were, slept, were swept up in incidental collection, Rice had said, quote, I know nothing about this. Now, when asked about the allegations during an interview with MSNBC, Rice did not deny she played a role in unmasking the names of Trump officials late in President Obama's administration, but did deny leaking any related intelligence information to reporters and also claimed that any unmasking was according to protocol and was not politically motivated. On Wednesday, President Trump challenged Rice's denial of wrongdoing by stating that she, quote, may have committed a crime. So to quote Donald Trump, uh, I think Susan the Susan Rice thing is a massive story. I think it's a massive, massive story. I think I can already guess your answer, but agree or disagree.
2: Well, this is my Susan Rice imitation for those who remember the uh, wonderful uh, schmaltzy TV show, Hogan's Heroes. I know nothing. <laughs> I know nothing, Colonel Klink. That's Susan Rice talking. Hair doctor Susan Rice, who is a prolific, proven, pathological liar. This is a woman who... Um, The various administrations have wheeled out on camera. Most recently, uh, most spectacularly, the Obama administration wheeled her out uh, during the Benghazi saga to claim that on five Sunday TV talk shows that the Benghazi attack was related to some Libyans getting upset about a video that virtually no one had watched on YouTube. And she lied through her teeth, and she'd done it before, during the Clinton administration as well. Um, And it's just, she's the favorite person they like to stick at, left-wing Democrats like to put on TV when they need someone to lie for them. And how this woman is not in prison or still manages to get a job somewhere amazes me. The, the intelligence that has been reported on exclusively by anonymous sources, so many anonymous sources in the intelligence community, it's hard to know why media outlets privilege one set of sources, one set of anonymous intel sources over another set of anonymous intel sources. But in this case,
1: Eli Lake
2: of Bloomberg News and uh, Adam Housley of Fox News. And Sarah Carter and John Solomon of Circa News uh, and and a handful of others have been reporting that Susan Rice
1: unmasked
2: names during um, uh, uh, and when reading classified documents um, of supposed incidental collections of um, uh, intercepted communications between Russians or between people uh, involved with Russians and the Trump campaign and the Trump transition team. Because um, it is not not America's national policy to smear everybody who accidentally gets caught up in the electronic intelligence dragnet, those names are supposed to be redacted. In other words, not kept in in the reports and not released to the public but in this case susan rice according to these various sources <clears throat> now being cited all over the place uh, authorized those names to be unredacted that is unmasked and the only that is only supposed to be done when there is national security value in in unredacting the name uh, or for more illicit purposes And legal scholars disagree on whether if she did this, this was illegal. Um, It can be released in order to embarrass and to smear various parties. And that is what the Trump people are saying, Uh, probably apparently with great justification, is that Susan Rice leaked classified documents with their people's names on it in order to hurt the Trump uh, administration before it even got off the ground and to, um, and to sabotage the Trump operation.
1: I don't understand. You're, you're suggesting that Susan Rice is, is less than ethical and honest? I mean, this is the woman who wrote an op-ed piece for the Washington Post uh, a couple of weeks ago that says that the headline on it is, uh, Susan Rice... When the White House twists the truth, we are all less safe. And it's all about how uh, the, uh, the White House must always tell the truth. You're right. She lied about Benghazi. She went on all five of the Sunday morning talk shows. This is a lie so bad that uh, that Hillary Clinton, who presumably would have been the spokesman for the administration at the time, that she refused to have anything to do with it. And uh, for those who don't remember, there was this poor sap who was a Coptic Christian, had done this uh, uh, weak film, uh, and they wanted to blame this person for what was an attack on September 11th, on the anniversary of September 11th, where people brought— RPGs to the party, uh, but supposedly they were just spontaneous uh, demonstrators mad about this video, which of course none of them had ever actually seen. And this is an attack, by the way, on the First Amendment as well. It's especially offensive because you're going after for someone for exercising his First Amendment rights. They ended up... Arresting him on a supposed parole violation for using the internet uh, to to do this for,
2: for for you for availing himself of his First Amendment rights.
1: Right, and and of course he's so scared now that he won't talk to anybody, or he'd be uh, you know if it were the opposite, it would be uh, he would be a perfect victim, and they'd show him all over the news. But <laughs> he'd case, have
2: his own show on MSNBC.
1: Right, and this Susan Rice also, who remember she said that Bo Bergdahl had uh, served with uh, with honor and distinction. Uh, and this is the guy who was the at least deserter uh, and possibly trader uh, who uh, was the then traded for, I believe it was five top. Uh, uh, commanders, is almost fascist commanders, uh, dangerous individuals. And then they had to come up with, the, you know, they had the little dog and pony show at the White House. They had the parents there who hadn't spoken to or didn't speak to him after he got uh, released. There was something strange going on there. But here you, you have this Bo doll case, and she was the spokesman for that. And if you go back to the Clinton administration, you're talking about 1998. 1998, the uh, embassy bombings uh, in uh, Tanzania, uh, in Kenya, that were sort of a precursor to the 9-11 attack. And uh, she was out there saying that we didn't have any warnings on that, when, of course, we did. Uh, No, Susan Rice is a repeated liar. when the
2: U.S. ambassador to Kenya, uh, Prudence Bushnell, had begged then-Secretary of State Madeleine Albright and the Clinton administration for extra security, claiming she had had assassination threats leveled against herself. so
1: Yeah, and this is Susan Albright, who was the mentor of... Madeline uh, uh, Albright. Madeline Albright, rather, who was the mentor of Susan Rice.
0: This is not a, just to reiterate. This is not a person with a credible record, and I just want to draw attention one last time oh, wait, to what I wait. said. Wait, I have another ten thousand words to read on that. <laughs> just, I just want to draw back attention to one thing I said, and when I was, you know, reciting the background, just a month ago, she said in an interview she didn't even know that there was incidental collection of, uh, y- you know, Trump transition officials. Now we know. Not only did she know that. She was the one that ordered the unmasking. So it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And the idea that we should take her word for anything right now, uh, you know, ought to be so contradicted by
1: that fact. But, and, but- and remember, this is a very important point. She's not an investigator. Uh, Andrew McCarthy has pointed this out at National Review. She's not an investigator. If she thinks there's something on, that's not on the up and up, her uh, what she should do is contact the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, and have them be the ones doing any unmasking, not do it herself. She has no proper role in doing that.
2: She's kind of like Sandy Berg, Berger, um, sneaking out those documents from the National Archive in his socks.
1: Right, who was the in, in, uh, in, in the a, Clinton a, administration, in a sense. and then later on, exactly, he sneaked. He got caught. and lost his security clearance briefly, uh, and uh, basically, the whole thing was covered up. And this guy, he sneaked things out in his clothes, and then hid them under a, tr- a construction trailer as he was sneaking the sole remaining copies of a lot of the documents having to do with the lead up to nine. Okay, 9/11. so
2: all hands up, everyone in this studio who believes Susan Rice is a liar.
1: Oh, liar? Wow, that's a lot of hands. A, there's, there's, a, there's
2: three a, a
0: of, of us in this room. All three of us uh, raised I our hands. I saw three hands. Granted, granted, we're a biased room, but I, I hope we made our case. Um, So moving forward. Yes,
2: it was an unscientific <laughs>
0: survey, admittedly. <laughs> uh, moving forward. So the media is saying this still doesn't confirm Donald Trump's original tweet uh, accusing Obama of, quote, wiretapping him. Um, does it, in your opinion? And whether it does or doesn't, I mean, can we at least agree that... Trump ought to be a little bit more specific and and measured in his communications, because this has been, you know, a a constant complaint against uh, the administration from both the right and left.
2: Well, no, I don't think uh, we we necessarily have to go that way. Trump accused Obama of wiretapping him. That was in his early morning tweet storm on March the 4th, I believe, uh, just, just over a month ago from today. And he... Used the term wiretapping correctly. Some snobs in the media were attacking him, saying he didn't use it correctly. It refers to blah blah blah. This kind of technology. No, in American colloquial English, it means elect. It means clandestine electronic surveillance. So, if, so to get that out of the way, he did use the term correctly.
1: Just as, by the way, the term eavesdropping used in many uh, legal cases. Uh, does not mean standing under the uh, overhang of a roof uh, next to to a window and listening in a, through, through to someone's conversations that way, which is the literal and original meaning of the term eavesdropping.
2: Right. It's evolved a more metaphorical uh, uh, n- meaning since then. In any event, Trump accused um, the Obama people of wiretapping him, and based on the evidence that's out there right now, he's right. Um, it is not a baseless allegation. Uh, I have a paper. I have a piece in today's American Thinker um, uh, uh, by me, Matthew Vadim, who you might, if you missed the first few seconds of the program, you might <laughs> not realize this really is Matthew Vadim.
1: V- 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 That's his a- name, Matthew Vadim. Vadim, not an
2: imposter.
1: V-A-D-U-M. With a,
2: with, a, with a frog in his throat. But I have something in American Thinker today saying it's not a baseless allegation. It has been reported all over the place, in Heat Street and uh, the New York Times and various other places that, that uh, Obama uh, wiretapped uh, the Trump people. Uh, and this is from, again, anonymous intelligence sources. And in my piece in American Thinking today, I ask readers the question, why do people like, Fox, uh, like Fox's... Shepard Smith, the worst uh, anchor they have there, keeps saying over and over again, pointedly, that President Trump has made a baseless allegation. Well, the evidence is there. There is a base. There is a basis for the allegation. But, but But the question is, who's anonymous? who's anonymous intelligence community sources are you going to accept? Are you going to accept the ones that hurt Trump or the ones that help Trump? Well, guess what decision the mainstream media has made?
0: Matthew, just to really press you on this, though, I there while I I agree with you completely that what has what we now know is 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 awful and, and is a real scandal but the way he worded it i mean isn't there can't we at least agree that there is some little bit of a difference if it was obama who personally ordered this which is the way he phrased it versus if it was from a lower down like susan rice
2: no i don't know we sit in in american colloquial english we say nowadays you know uh, George H.W. Bush raised my taxes, even though his involvement in the legislative process consisted of a couple of minutes sitting at a desk signing a bill. Um, George H.W. Bush raised taxes on the American people in the early 1990s. Well, it wasn't just him, but we say that. You know, the principle, what is it in civil law, uh, Dr. Allen, because you're also a lawyer, responde at superior. This, the superior must answer for the behavior of his subordinates. The president, whether or not he even has knowledge of stuff done on his, done by, by high-ranking federal employees, federal government employees, people commonly say that that president did something.
1: Well, of course, Nixon didn't order the Watergate break in. There's no evidence that he knew about it ahead of time. Uh, so, but, so it's but, a figure but, of speech. But, it, but it, it's and beyond ma- that, they're making a
2: mountain out of a molehill.
1: Beyond that, it, it, two things. First of all, it's Susan Rice, it's his national security advisor it's the closest person to him on these sorts of matters so you know the, if... But if I, there, I
2: think we are drifting away if to, there is any the,
1: but 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 secondly I uh, think the, we're supposed to
2: talk about the wiretapping
1: but but secondly you you have you have this point which is that the uh if if the uh, uh, if the wiretapping occurred, then that was the Obama administration. Uh, is, is does that mean that he personally ordered it? Well, we'll find out, right? Because what the people in the media—it's amazing—they say this is a lie that Trump says. They have no idea what Trump knows. Uh, and until it's either confirmed uh, or the story is shut down, then you cannot say he's a liar. You cannot say it's baseless. You can report what he said. You can say that other people say that there's no base. But to put it in a headline, to put it as your repertorial voice that is journalistic fraud because you can't possibly know that and many of the things that donald trump has said that the media initially said were crazy or were lies turned out to be true so the media don't have a very good track <laughs> record uh, on this score of saying that something that donald trump says and, is and this
2: is a cheap high school debating tactic i must say that to, to take everything so literally and this has been a problem Uh, This is why the media has looked so stupid since Donald Trump's ascendancy during the election campaign uh, last year and in uh, 2015, Um, because they keep saying they keep taking what he's saying literally and not viewing it in in a broader way as most people do donald trump speaks in pictures he speaks in metaphors he's not good with all the little details he he's he's an idea man right I'd have to use i'll see how many more cliches i can come up with <laughs> but anyway big pictures and and when he says obama did something he means for all we know he means obama's administration did it or maybe obama did it personally we don't know for sure or maybe obama's, to, obama's top assistant but to, <laughs> right but to fault but to fault his tweet his early morning uh, enraged tweet because he attributes something to Obama personally, that's not an argument at all. That's the kind of crap that PolitiFact
0: pulls.
1: And let and, me and make one thing clear, because you keep hearing people say, well, this is incidental co- collection. We accidentally picked this stuff up. Okay, that's true, That or it may be true, uh, because we do, in fact, have huge spying operations that have been revealed over the last few years. And the concern was always that they would end up using this as an excuse to spy on American citizens willy-nilly in violation of the Fourth Amendment that requires a warrant in such situations. And, well, guess what? Uh, If you get this information accidentally and you don't put it back that's when the spying occurs. It's, it's as if the government just went down the street and they emptied out everybody's apartment and put it all on the street, and then they put some of it back, and then they kept some of it. Uh, if you do the keeping part uh, unfairly, uh, illegally, then that is the point at which the spying occurs. I'll give you an example. Uh, the government is not allowed to listen in on the private conversations of an accused uh, criminal and that criminal's accused criminal's lawyer. Uh, that's part of the constitutionally protected right to counsel. And yet uh, you have normally a recording of conversations at jails and so forth. If you accidentally pick up such a conversation, and you're the on the part of law enforcement, uh, prosecutor or police, you must destroy that unless you have very limited, very, very limited specific situations where you don't have to destroy it. Normally you have to destroy it. If you don't, then it's spying. And it doesn't matter that you did it accidentally to start with. What counts is, did you hold on to that information? Or in this case, with Susan Rice and the Obama administration, did you, uh, eight days before Obama went out of office, did you change the rules so that all the raw intelligence, the rumors, the innuendo, all the smears that you've picked up could be distributed widely throughout the intelligence agencies in order to make it easier for it to be leaked? Because that's the only reason that anybody can come up with uh, for why that was done.
0: So, Steve, let, let's dig into that a little bit deeper. I mean, privacy issues are a really big deal in this country right now in the last couple of years Um, you know, particularly after the Edward Snowden leaks and, you know, Senator Rand Paul has been a big force in the Senate uh, talking about this, Um, you know, so forgetting the legality of of what Susan Rice did, um, you know, should Americans be concerned about our our privacy protections? I mean, what does how easy unmasking appears to be say for our Fourth Amendment rights? And what should we do about it?
1: This is the thing that they said people like, Rand Paul and people like me, oh, that we're just exaggerating things. There's not that much, much danger. And then you find out, remember, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Love Ent, Uh And that was the effort by people at the NSA to spy on their uh, their boyfriends and girlfriends to see if they were cheating on them and so forth. I mean, this is the kind of thing that happens in a Uh, In a country that just hoovers, they call it hoovering, uh, like a vacuum cleaner. You hoover
2: up all the information. It's it's not a reference to J. Edgar Hoover? Uh,
1: Well, in fact, we've seen this kind of thing before. We saw it during the Clinton administration when Hillary Clinton had hundreds of email files sent to the White House so she could peruse them for information on Republicans, including raw intelligence, which again is rumors and innuendo. We saw it with J. Edgar Hoover, who was FBI director for half a century. And how did he hold on to the job for half a century? Because he had the blackmail files on everyone. And in fact, uh, you know, it it completely changed the interpretation of Watergate when we found out that his top guy, Mark uh, Felt, who was the one who. Who was speculated by the media before J. Edgar Hoover's death was going to be the one to inherit all the blackmail files and he turned out to be Deep Throat bringing down Richard Nixon because of all the ironies, uh, in my view at least. The reason he did it is because Nixon was trying to impose professionalism on the FBI and get away from things like blackmailing people. But remember when John Kennedy got caught sleeping with an East German spy uh, and they used that information in the blackmail files to make the Republicans shut up. And this is not me, right-wing conspiracy theorist, saying this. George Stephanopoulos has talked about the Emma Romesh case. And uh, so the danger... Of government officials being able willy-nilly to go through and find your private conversations, who you're involved with, all the secrets about your life, going into your IRS records, as we saw what happened with the IRS targeting of Tea Party groups and other opponents of the president. Right, Lois Lerner. Lois Lerner. Nothing ever bad happened to her. She's nice. She has a nice pension, well, I understand.
2: But that's, Steve, that's because there wasn't any corruption. Not a smidgen of corruption.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what the president said. Not a smidgen of corruption. Uh, and and in fact, uh, they were, you know, destroying computers maybe with hammers. It, maybe and, it was more of a dollop. Yes. Uh, we, we really need to be more careful about allowing politicians and bureaucrats and people in the, the the deep state that, look, the deep state's a real thing. You, you know, but look it up. You'll see a lot of speculation about what the deep state is. The deep state is the permanent government in Washington that was never envisioned in the Constitution. You were not supposed to, the bureaucracy is not part of the Constitution, uh, and yet these people have this power, and they ain't giving it up easily. And they're going to fight, and they're going to leak, and they're going to spy. Uh, and of course we know of uh, Farkas, who was the aide to Hillary Clinton's campaign who had been in the Defense Department, who blurted out about how they were uh, frantically in the last days of the Obama administration, trying to get all that information out while they still could and get it over to the Democrats in Congress. Uh, That's scary stuff.
0: Stephen, and just, uh, you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but for listeners who um, maybe are unfamiliar with the term deep state, just to clarify what that is, um you know it's just it's obvious that it exists because it's just you know holdovers and bureaucratic roles from previous administrations who you know may not agree with uh you know the politics of what you know a new president wants and wants to you know continue doing you know whatever their politics are in their bureaucratic role yeah correct?
1: and 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 we see that uh, the hill did a study where they looked at the various government agencies and uh, what you found for most of the agencies was that 97 to 99 percent of the bureaucrats had given money to the Hillary Clinton campaign versus the Donald Trump campaign. And some of these, you know, you have, have examples of uh, uh, trying to prevent the Trump people from getting access to some of the science involved in scientific decisions, like such as at the EPA. Uh, you well, have, why
2: would they need that? I thought all the science was settled.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then a the comical, there was a comical example the other day where the EPA actually put out a press release attacking the uh, policies of the of the Trump administration. Uh, and this was a Trump administration press release, but it was holdovers from the old days. Uh, and unfortunately, the the Trump people are not moving as quickly as I believe they should to, uh, to get replacements for a lot of these folks. But they, they're deep in the bureaucracy. They've been here for decades and decades. This is their careers. And they get in there with their friends and their interests. You know, the interest groups come in. They have a thing called regulatory capture, which is where uh, you have an interest group that, pushes its way in and takes control of the government agency that regulates uh, the issues they're concerned with. That
2: sounds really fascinating.
1: And uh, so so the deep state is a real thing. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, it's not paranoia. This is something exists. Now, you can talk about how deep it is and how damaging it is and how dangerous it is. I think it's pretty dangerous.
0: And just tying back the deep state to, um, you know, our Fourth Amendment issues, the New York Times is reporting that, Current and former intelligence officials from both Republican and Democratic administrations have said they do not believe uh, Miss Rice's actions were unusual. You
1: know, oh, well, the CNN, they had a CNN reporter who used to work with Susan Rice, whose scoop the other day was that someone close to Susan Rice had said that she didn't do anything wrong. That was a scoop, that someone yeah. close to her had said she and, didn't do anything Susan wrong.
2: Susan Rice's husband, isn't he an ABC News executive?
1: Oh, they're all tied in. You know, it's just amazing the people that are, you know, sleeping with people, or they're married to people, or they're the best friends with people. And uh, Judy Woodruff was on um, Fox, was on a Fox panel. And this was during the discussion of the IRS scandal. And uh, she said, well, Koskinen, the, the IRS commissioner, She's known him for decades, and he's not the kind of guy who would do anything like that. And that's the problem, is they know all these people, and they know, oh, Susan Rice, she's a nice person. I've been out to lunch with her many times, and she does not at all seem like the kind of person who would be organizing, in effect, a coup to uh, to destroy the incoming president of the United States. She's just not that kind of person.
0: And just to clarify, this is our opinion of what is likely to come out that's not— uh you know, that's not. We can't confirm her motivations yet. Well, well she
1: has no. She has no investigative authority. So I, I. Yeah, I'd like to know. She. She needs to come forward. She needs to be called to testify, and she needs to testify under oath. Okay, moving in a different
0: direction, uh, Matthew. Um, you know, what what a lot of the press is saying, and in fact, I think. I only read this as a headline, so don't quote me. But I think Don Lemon on CNN refused to comment on this story because, in his opinion, you know, this is just a distraction from the Russian story that the administration and and Devin Nunes is is trying. Well, to I think use.
2: Don Lemon gave up his official journalist card a long time ago and, and for him to refuse to even discuss it. And, and I'm not, I'm not yeah, positive. Ger- that, journalists yeah. are. Yeah. If that's
0: as you described, yeah.
2: then, you know, he's unfit. to. I, I'm not positive that he
0: did that. So I don't want us well, to go down. I I, no, I he, did. he was quite because. indignant.
1: He was quite yeah. indignant that this uh, fake news story was being covered. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's that's not the sign of a of a I mean, I, as a journalist, I would love to bring on people who had knowledge from the other side and go at them uh, and, and see if we can get the truth out of it, because I'm interested in the truth. That, that's what I care about. And I, you're not a journalist if you think that, you know, UFOs ate an airplane uh, or I'm sorry, black black holes ate an airplane or anything like that, such as uh, these uh, uh, CNN types.
0: So we have already, though, um, you know, I was reading uh Trump's very long, very interesting uh, interview with the New York Times that came out two days ago. And, you know, as soon as they brought up Russia, you know, he just brought up the Susan Rice story. Um, That that does seem like, you know, he might be trying to distract and and deflect. Uh, Do you think he's doing that?
1: How is it distracting to try to to point people to to something that's real and away from something that's not
2: real? Well, he's probably sick of talking about the Russia story, which, for all we know, is 100% made up BS. Um, And I can see why he'd want to talk about something else, because the problem is, you know, if they keep asking you every single day, if the media keeps asking the president every single day... When did you stop beating your wife? After a while, despite all the denials, people start to think, wow, there really may be something to this allegation that the president used to beat his wife up. And people, you know, they, they hear it enough, enough times and it, it starts to become real for them. So there's a reason to repeat lies over and over again. There's a reason um, Shepard Smith sits there and and uh, gets all pouty. You go, girl, Shep Smith. Anyway, uh, and, and says, oh, it's a baseless allegation from from President Trump, and he, he seems to have started uh, just about every show of the last every of his three three p.m. show on Fox um, every for the last couple of weeks that way talking about president trump's baseless allegations and he slows down and stresses that word savoring it every time (laughs) um you repeat lies long enough and people start to think well maybe there's something to them
1: and there's something like 40 percent of the american people who think that there's uh, something to this russia story even though there ain't nothing they got nothing they Forth. nothing That'll be, I'm sure, another another show for us. By the way— And 50, 40, 40% of those people believe that Elvis is the vice president, too. But interestingly, there was one poll that 52% of people thought that, well, while they're investigating the Russia connection to Trump, maybe they should, they should also investigate the Russia connection to the Clintons. Uh, so they have picked up on that, and they're right to be concerned, and that's, I'm sure, a well, topic for another it's, show. It's
2: like Sex Panther cologne. It's 100% effective— of the time.
0: Okay, guys, any last words on this topic?
1: No. We'll be coming back.
0: (laughs) All right, that's our show for this week. We'll be back next week, and we hope you'll join us. If you're not already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and follow us on social media at Capital Research Center on Facebook and YouTube, and at Capital Research
1: on Twitter. I'm Dr. Stephen J. Allen. And I am a horse
2: version of Matthew Vedum.
0: And I'm Jake Klein. Thanks for listening.